0: Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book.
1: This week on TWIP, Strobus photography, the Canon G9, and a great interview with author Jim Hyde. All that and more coming up on episode number 104 of This Week in Photography. And we're back for another episode of This Week in Photography. We've got some of the usual suspects here and some not-so-usual suspects. Uh, First of all, we've got Nicole, also known as Nicole Z, coming in. Hey, Nicole, how are you doing? Hey, Frederick. How? In, where? Where in the world are you exactly? Utah. Utah. Yeah. Land of of uh, of like <laughs> vistas and all that good stuff, right?
2: It's beautiful out here. Absolutely.
1: Moab. Very cool. And also coming from the far right coast, Mr. Steve Simon. Hey, Steve.
3: Hey, Fred. It's uh, been a, a long time since I've been on. I think the last time I was on, uh, they were Canon was introducing the AE one. Remember that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and it had a hand crank on it, right? It did, it did, but it's good to be back. Welcome back, it's good to have you back. And also, of course, in the studio, running the wheels of steel, here is Mr. Alex Lindsay. Hey, Alex. Hello, hello. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing very well. I haven't seen you in a while. You ran the show without me last week, and, you know, unfortunately, it went really well. <laughs> 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 What's up with uh, that? You know, it's beginner's luck. You know, it's, it's I'm like a, it's like a new beginner for me. You know? uh-huh. I was
0: I was nervous, and, and I had no yeah. idea what I was talking about, and that mm-hmm. probably improved the quality of the show.
1: It's just like when you like when you leave a job or something, you want everything that you were touching to implode when you're not there. It's Isn't supposed to go on without a hitch? Come on. Of course, as the producer, I want I want any of us to be able to run the show. Yes, so, so,
0: yes. so that we have lots of redundancy. There you go. And I'm often redundant.
1: <clears throat> well, uh, before we get into this show, um, I want to uh, give a nod to our sponsor, who is Audible.com. They're internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. And for a free audiobook of your choice, go to AudiblePodcast.com/twip. And There's been a lot of confusion
0: about that. Why Audible.com versus AudiblePodcast.com versus Twip versus other 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 Audible. Audible. Do- oh, I'm so- yeah. What, which is it's it? It's AudiblePodcast.com/slash/Audible/Twip
1: podcast.com slash twip. Twip is important because it makes us look cool. Yeah. And we'll back to that <laughs> we that. We like to look cool. Are you are you reading slash listening? What's the, first of all, what's the what's the technical way to refer to and when you're when you're consuming an audiobook? Are you reading it? Because you're not really looking at it. But a lot of people say, Yeah, I'm reading this audiobook. It's like My sister you know, says it's the same.
0: You know because I yeah. you know, but but I don't I don't know. She says it's just if you just say you're reading it. She reads she she listens to a lot of books and, and yeah. uh uh you know I uh, you know I just say I'm uh you know i enjoying.
1: There you go. I'm enjoying and all. I'm listening. Work. I yeah. listen, I'm sorry, you know. No, I, I, I read like my Kindle, I listen to stuff on my iPhone Yes. You know, or my iPod or whatever. All right. Uh well let's jump into the news. We got some pretty interesting things. First of all, there's one thing that I'm going to buy actually right after this show is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh Brandell's ultimate 3.0 point hand strap. Oh, this looks
0: really good. Have you good. seen that thing? <laughs> This looks, it looks really good. Nicole, when you shoot,
1: uh, are you are you the camera strap kind of person, or are you the I can't stand the camera strap? Got to have something on my hand. Uh, and and would you use this Brando thing?
2: Well, first I want to say that thing kind of looks like something you'd use if you were bowling. Just Very true. throwing out that out there. But what I like to use is I have the uh, the RS four, the Black Rapid, and so I kind of use a strap and just the real simple, you know, the. The real simple version of that, without the wrist strap on it, I don't know what, what it's called. But that thing—that look, sure. thing looks
1: serious. It looks like yeah. uh, you know you should have some camouflage on or. It doesn't. You see, Nicole ruined it for me now because I'm talking about the the bowling.
0: Now I'm going to think about bowling my camera. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it. <laughs> the only thing I get concerned about. So for those of you listening, it, it looks like a it does look like a bowling grip mm-hmm. that is then attached to your camera. So mm-hmm. your camera is not going to go anywhere. It. It's funny because that's exactly how I manage my camera when I'm, especially when I'm in crowds. So mm-hmm. I wrap the, I, I tend to tighten the strap when I'm in crowds. I'm hanging over areas that have a long drop, yeah. Uh, th- those types of things, uh, I'll tend to wrap this tight, pretty tightly on my forearm, and then hold onto the camera to make sure that it's not going to disappear. Yeah. And uh, so that looks good. Of course, I always think from a horseback rider's point of view, you never <laughs> want to put your your boots too far into the stirrups and, uh, and in the same <laughs> what way <does> that <laughs> well you mean? well with a horse it means that if you fall off if you fall off you want to make sure you fall out of the stirrups and uh, not get dragged uh, to death you know oh, which is and okay. i've done the second, which is really, I didn't die, but it was—it's yeah. not a good. thing. Well, mountain <laughs> bikers so, would say, you know, they have the the toe in, same kind same of kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, you know, if I needed for some reason to get the camera off my hand, um, the only thing I get concerned about is it might take me a long time to get it off my hand. Right. So that that would be the only concern that I'd have with this in some in some environments. But uh, um,
1: but I think overall, it, I, I'm going to have to get one. Sixteen dollars. Yeah, totally. Sixteen dollars. I, <laughs> I know. You know, I, uh, Steve, I, I know you you may have one of these. I paid for the Nikon branded. Little hand grip for the for the D seven hundred. I think I paid something like forty or fifty bucks for that little piece of leather and nylon. Doesn't hurt. It's crazy. Now, now I could buy two of these, one for each of my bodies, and still come out (laughs) ahead. Steve, are, are you using this kind of setup, like the little hand grip, or do you go with the camera strap, or what's what's your deal? Well,
3: I have not used one of these things yet, but you're probably talking to the only kind of semi-professional bowler among us. I used to bowl regularly 10-pin when I was a kid, and this does definitely remind me of that, that strap. I think if you're in, like, the hot sun and really hot weather, I think that that it just might be too much. Uh, I, I could just see my, my hands sweating and, and just you know not feeling good about it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give it a go. I've never used this kind of a, a wrist strap for my shooting. Um, but if it 's going to sort of stabilize you, maybe even give you a um, you know a little bit more stability for maybe one one extra slower shutter speed uh, it's it 's probably a good thing and and if it 's cold weather situations, I think it probably couldn 't hurt just to to warm your hand up a little bit yeah you know you know someone
0: 's a pro bowler when they say yeah i used to I used to throw ten pin. Yeah. Like to me, there's just like you know, there is the vernacular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, maybe you saw me on that cable TV show I was on in Montreal, Channel Nine. No. Anyway, no. That was back in the bowling. There's day. so
1: many places I could take that Steve, but I'm not going to take. It. <laughs> <laughs> Any of those. All right. Uh, next up in the news, uh, there's rumors, and you know I'm hesitant about even bringing this thing up, but we're going to throw a link to it in the show notes. But there's rumors and speculation and conjecture about a new Canon 7D. We we have the top. Yeah, we have yeah. the top piece of it. A photo <laughs> of something that looks like <laughs> this is that like could be a top piece of it. That's just fu- future archaeology. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, Can I
3: just I just want to say something here. I mean, have you guys ever sort of gone on a trip? I know Alex, maybe when you've been to Africa and you don't have access to these daily rumors, and then you come back and kind of see what's there. I mean, you can have a good portion of your life back if you kind of stop looking at some of this <laughs> stuff and, and, and did something photographically, uh, 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 you know, with, with with some some real uh, help to you. I mean, it is fun to speculate, but I mean, you know, you can spend you know twenty four seven just looking at all these. these news. I know. You,
0: yeah. know, you know, I find totally. that about the news in general, but yeah. we, we won't get into that.
1: Wait, 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 wait! But of course, not
0: Twip. You know, right. Well, we're
1: we're more of a uh, you know we just sort of absorb things, digest it, and then regurgitate it back to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really news. It's exactly. kind of like penguins feeding their young. I don't know about. I don't know if we really should have brought that up.
4: We have a title now, so.
1: That could be the tagline. big <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> penguins feeding the young this week in photography. So, Nicole, what what are you shooting with? We haven't talked in a while, and I remember you were you were lusting after a new body. And I I've I, been following you <laughs> following a new camera body, and I know you've been on Twitter talking about all this new gear and stuff that you've picked up. What are you, what are you <laughs> shooting with?
2: I still have a D two hundred, but I'm I really really want to upgrade. Uh, kind of ho- holding out for the D seven hundred X. Mm. And uh I've actually I've had a lot of um uh, I've been using a one friend of mine has a 5D Mark II and I've had a few chances to kind of play around with it. I really like it <laughs> and I'm hoping that the D700X is similar mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really not, you know, a Nikon, you know, fanboy. I I would go either way. Really, I'd go to Canon if they had the product that I liked. So in the next probably 6 months I can see myself upgrading to full frame, you know, something with HD video. Totally. So yeah. I was, yeah. kind of how I just to get,
1: get whatever works for you. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't have to get and be brand loyal as a photographer because none of the people, in in my estimation, unless they're other photographers, are going to be looking at your EXIF data and saying, "Oh, I don't like this photo because Nicole shot it with a whatever." Well, well, well usually,
0: usually it really comes down to glass, right? And and yeah. so it's just a matter of, of where you've committed your glass. Yes. Yeah. And, how much how much glass
1: mm-hmm. do you have invested? or How much money do you have invested in Nikon ga- glass? Nicole. <laughs>
2: well, my main my main lens that I use is the twenty four seventy, and that's about a $1,500 lens. And I haven't had it for very long. But, you know, looking at my other lenses, the Lens baby's is the other one I really use. And other than that, it's that's really all the glass that I have that, I'm, mm. you know, that I would not want to part with.
1: Yeah,
3: and then and there's I your speed lights lens, as well, right? Actually, yeah, but I use lens. a lot of
2: pocket wizards with my speed lights. I don't use the CLS as much, you know, with the Nikon system. So those would still be, you know, I could still use those in manual mode or whatever. So...
1: You're going over it's to still, the Canon side. You've gave, you've given I'm this way too much thought,
4: <laughs> Steve.
2: I'm just open to yeah, it. No, I, was,
3: I was just going to say, Nicole, that uh, 24 to 70 now is up to eighteen hundred dollars. And actually, you know, forget the stock market. If you would have bought some of these lenses before the price <laughs> increase and then sold them on Craigslist, you would you would make a profit. And <laughs> I, I just I I'm assuming Nicole that you don't know anything that we don't about a. C 700 x speaking of rumors, because <laughs> no. nothing is... Uh, nothing
2: <laughs> I don't know is, anything. I just am hoping. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you I'm... You can tell uh, us. It's, it's,
1: it's
3: just I, us I know
2: before. I have a lot to save up for to get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, Steve, would you, would you ever consider making the leap? Remember our, our good friend Scott Bourne, what was it, last year or the year before, relatively recently, holistically and completely made the switch from Canon over to Nikon kind of overnight. Would you ever consider doing that?
3: Uh you know, I I I wouldn't and it it's not necessarily rational. I mean, part of it is practical. I mean, I've been a Nikon guy since I was a young guy. That was my my first real camera back in the day, the Nikon FM. And uh I've stuck with it. It was a little bit of a badge of honor with me. I've I've always liked the equipment and and it's just a um it's a weird kind of loyalty that ensues with the relationship with a camera company over a number of years. Yeah. Uh, I love the Nikon glass. I'm actually writing a, a book on the Nikon system. Mm. I'm now working with Nikon a little bit, so you know I'm I'm pretty entranced with Nikon. You know, but ultimately, I mean, you never say never. And and these things are tools, and we don't want to forget that. And. If you have a project that you're doing and you need the right tool for it and if it doesn't exist in one system, then, you know, it, it's certainly okay to – it makes sense to, to get what you need to do your, your job.
1: Totally. You know, the, the analogy I like to draw is photographers should be like like James Bond. All right you should be able to like James Bond doesn't care what kind of gun he's shooting. he has a preference, but you know if he, if he's going to carry around a particular gun, he has a preference, but if he's in a sticky situation, he can grab anything and get out of that sticky situation right. right.
4: You know, it should that. be the same
1: way. You should be able to grab any camera and have mastered the fundamentals of lighting, exposure, composition, all that stuff, and get a decent shot out of it. Whether it be an iPhone or a Canon or a Nikon or a point and shoot or something, shouldn't the the brand of the camera shouldn't come into play? You know, in terms of the overall image. Well, and I think there's a lot of things that
0: I find that I like about both cameras. I mean, I finally you know ended up with a five D Mark II, and uh, but. Uh, that was primarily because I bought it as a video camera. So I bought. We actually use it more as a video camera than a still camera. I personally, when I'm testing it and using it and getting good at it, I'm using it as a still camera. Yeah. But at work, we're just using it as video, for video. And so that was the re, you know that was the final deciding factor for me. The but I love the I love the look. Oftentimes with the Nikon stuff Mm -hmm. And sometimes I like it better (laughs) You know um, I love Sort of feeling your hand Kind of Well no no I mean the actual look Of the images I mean you know I I find that I um, uh, There is something different That it's doing As it processes it And maybe it just Is the way the raw Image is processed On the way through Um, But also I find that um, uh, I love the action better so the Nikon, I, I really find that the action when you pull the when you pull the trigger, mm-hmm. the action is uh, is much smoother than the The, the Canon really feels like you're doing something big, mm-hmm. and there's something very smooth and silky about a Nikon that that I don't find that I, I have with the Canon. So I miss that when I'm when I'm using the Canon. I had a Nikon for a long time. Which one so did you mind. go
1: to? Like you, what what Nikon did you have before
0: you you jumped over to the? Cannon? I had a D70, a D70.
1: Okay. So, um, so and you then, never saw with the D700 or the no. D3 or anything. I mean, like other
0: than borrowing yours or Scott's or, right. or playing with it, I, I never really went out and. Did any heavy shooting, I borrowed yours for a weekend and shot with it, and yeah. it was it was great. Yeah, and I and I loved it as I said, and, and and literally it was the D seven hundred is what I would have bought if it had video. Yeah. When I, and when you I know went, I think
3: go ahead. Oh, sorry, I, I was just going to add. I was going to add, guys. Like I think we're all we would all probably agree that um, you know the more the equipment is an extension of kind of your mind and your creative approach to photography, the better. And when you kind of get entrenched in a system. Um, as it is improved and new equipment is uh, coming out, um, it continues that kind of uh, second nature feel. I mean, when you pick up a new camera that's just been introduced, it, it retains a lot of the ergonomics and, and menu system and so on. So, I mean, it, it actually can actually help your photography if you kind of stick to one. If you keep batting from one to the other... Um, you know, it, it could actually inhibit uh, the growth of you as a photographer. Sure. And don't forget, uh, Fred, James Bond had a 39-megapixel watch camera.
1: Which, <laughs> which, <laughs> I knew which you were going to throw very... that in there.
0: <laughs> the, only, the only thing I will say is that one thing that's really helped me a lot is uh, being able to, by switching lots and lots of cameras, because I have had to test lots of cameras, mm-hmm. the one thing that I think is good about switching cameras and, and using a lot of compact cameras and SLRs is that you do develop a skill to get what you need out of the camera very quickly Mm -hmm. you know when you start and you get into one camera going to a new one is very hard to find your way around Uh, but after a while you get to a point where it's kind of like i rent so many cars i mean i'm you know, I'll typically rent two or three different cars in a in a month yeah. uh, at different locations, and I'm very good at finding all the things that I need within a couple you know within a minute. And it I can, becomes your car at that point. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, immediately you know I, I reset reset all the audio all the uh, radio channels, and I reset oh, all you're the stuff. The guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the guy. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. I'm just going to go off and a over for one second. When you're renting a car, lowest channel to the left highest channel to the right <laughs> evenly incremented in between <laughs> come on now let's let's you know and and uh and so anyway that's um uh,
1: ocd anyway so <laughs> <You> let's, <teletose laughs> <your closet laughs> let's move on. <laughs> let's moving, on moving right along two other quick things i want to touch on in the news adobe has posted camera raw 5.5 the release candidate for the uh the update to the camera raw plug-in in uh, photoshop so you should check it out they added uh, conversion support for RAW files captured with the Nikon D300S, the D3000, the Olympus Olympus EP1, and the Panasonic DMC-FZ35, and some other nice corrections in there. If you want all the gory details, click the link in the show notes or head over to Adobe's Camera Raw page, which you can get to easily, trick, by going to Google, because it's kind of hard to find it on the Adobe site. Just go to Google. (laughs) And type adobe.com colon camera raw, and it'll take you right there. You know,
0: what is wrong with – I mean, I find that it, when I want to find a manual, like a Sony manual or a Canon manual or whatever, I don't even think – it doesn't even occur to me to go to their website. Yeah,
1: you because just go to Google. you, you just
0: can't, you can't find it. It is yep. It is more effective. I end up surfing everybody's website through Google
1: because yeah. – For that very reason, because it's always buried, All these marketing people, you know, build the site thinking they know what you want to see and then you don't want to see it and you have to dig for what you want. So the (laughs) trick on Google for the the non-geeks that are listening or watching to restrict a search to a particular domain like Adobe.com, just type the domain in Google, Adobe.com colon space and your search term and Google will only look at that site for that search term. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. That, that's a great tip. Fred. Yeah. Yeah. I use it all the time. Um, and last thing in the news, or this part of the news, where uh, Canon has introduced new power shots. One that I'm really interested in was that G9, uh, the G9 that they just came out. They G11. To, I'm sorry, G11, because <laughs> I had the G9. What am I saying? The G11. I'm too behind. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. Alex, I wanted your thoughts on this, because they're, they're regressing... In megapixel Beautiful. count. Beautiful. But they're they've been listening to They've been listening to us. They've, they've, been, been, they've, yeah, been, they've been, been listening, they've been listening to Ron canon. Brinkman. <laughs> Ron Brinkman has yeah. been c- preaching this forever that, hey, I don't need that many megapixels. I need lower light sensitivity yeah. and a higher quality. What do I think, you what I do think, think about that? I think
0: 12 megapixels for a compact camera is more than enough.
1: Yeah, which more. they clearly thought as well because they dropped it down to what? 9 megapixels or no, no, 10 I think megapixels? It is it
0: 10 megapixels, I Yeah, believe. somewhere around there. Yeah, 9 yeah
1: 10, point, 9.98. 9, 8. Yes.
0: I think that that is plenty of megapixels for a compact. I mean, I, I would be happy with that. In fact, I'd be happier with that. And, and what, what I'm really interested to see, and I haven't been able to dig into this too deeply... I'm really going to be interested to see what the low light performance looks like. Because yeah. that's what we want to see. We want to see, more, we want to see bigger pixels,
4: mm-hmm.
0: more low light. Uh, and I think that that is exactly the direction they should be going. Some of that 5D magic in the point and shoots, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And so, I mean, I think that that's what we're, uh, what we're hoping to get you know, out of that process.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want to I see it. the other thing that kind of, I don't know, for the G10 and the G11, what, what kind of turns me off is the the lower resolution video than you have in the G9. That's no, why I'm that's still stuck still, with my G9. And that's know? still the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so still, that, it's 640 by 480 resolution video now, on, the, on these two, and the G9 is 1024 by 768. Now, to be fair. And I'm always fair. Are you ready to be fair?
0: <laughs> I don't know why I've turned into this, like, Mr. Apology for the big for the man. I don't know how I turn oh, into this but I you, just I find myself on all these on. shows going just to take their side for a second. Yeah. So I have an LX3. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: I do not find the video. It's huge 720p. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Except that I don't really find the video useful above 640 by 360. So I immediately with all my LX, LX3 footage mm-hmm. I find that it looks okay at 720p. But that's their fault. What? That's their fault. They should make the video look better. You shouldn't I say, but what well, I'm saying, if it was smaller, that,
1: it'd be better, so I'm going to kind of... But I'm saying, is they that, should is kick it up.
0: I, I don't think... I think that the G9 footage that I was taking before I lost it uh, on that faithful Southwest flight, uh, <laughs> and no one in Southwest gave it back. Anyway, not that I'm bitter. Uh, so the, uh, the G9, I felt like the 640 by 480, other than being square, you know, 4 by 3, mm-hmm. uh, the video wasn't significantly worse than what I was getting with um, the... Uh, than what I was getting from the, the the 640 by 480 down convert from the LX3, mm-hmm. so so I felt like the LX3 it, it mm. really looks overstretched at 720 by really um, uh, 1280. So we have to you always have to compare that you know yeah. to make sure that like what, what Canon may be doing and we just have to test it. We don't know right. what Canon really should needs to be doing is um, we need to look at side by side what is mm-hmm. 640 by 480 or whatever out of an LX3 or one of these other cameras that is claiming 720p, how does that look next to a 640 by 480 image out of this Canon? Because a lot of times people, you know, HD, just because it can cover that many pixels, we don't know did it up res to that pixel?
1: Right. Did it, did it, how, did they, see it. how did they get there? We need to see the pudding because the proof is in there. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just one quick thing on that. Uh, Steve, you're, you're, uh, you, last time I mentioned this, you said you wanted a Nikon point and shoot. Did you ever get it, or are you still holding off? Uh, no, I'm. I'm
3: still kind of holding off. I'm uh, still kind of holding. off. Uh, yeah. It's just purely a financial thing, really. Uh, Honeymoon but, bills. Uh, I've been. I've been playing with. Uh, you know the iPhone. I'm a little happier with the iPhone, and oh. uh, I'm. I'm you know kind of excited. But I, I agree with you guys. I mean, you know, it's it's all about low light performance now. You're right. I mean, if you think, you know, why would you possibly? I mean, how often do you print things so big? That you need all those megapixels. It's uh, you'd much rather have a really high-quality um, low-light situation because we know that uh, when you uh, photograph with available light, uh, the results are often, unless you're um, strobisting it or, or or Joe McNallying it, um, you know the the look is not going to be the same. So if if you can get that high ISO performance in a decent megapixelage, I, I think we'd all be a lot happier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move along from that. Oh, one quick note on that Canon. The um, the other thing that they added to that was a s- tilt-swivel back LCD. Which I think is great. Which is really is, cool. That's a really great feature to add.
0: So you can swing that out and mm-hmm. be able to look at it from the, from the front. Yeah, so you can take those to.
1: high shots and, you know. It's yeah. really yeah. useful Do you combos. know the Nikon
0: uh, I used to have a 4500 and Nikon 4500 which mm-hmm. was a classic camera which yeah. they ruined yeah. with when they put it out the, the new version ruined it because it didn't put a mount on the front lens mm-hmm. so you couldn't they had the great thing about the 4500 is you could put a 360 degree lens on it and it was really small and you could keep it all in your pocket and mm-hmm. but it had a, it, it had that swivel center yep and, uh, man, oh, you, could, right. I so that, you could turn it in a lot of different ways. One of the things you could do is you could very uh, quietly take pictures of people because you could be looking down like you're looking at your photos and taking mm-hmm. photos of people. And um, the other thing is, is of course, with all those swivel uh, LCDs is being able to go to over. The crowd shots. Crowd yeah. shots are great. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. Can I just – I just wanted to add quickly. Um, you know, there's a photographer that I used to work with, Patty Gower, up in Toronto, and she had the old Nikon head that you used to be able to take off and she would often sort of shoot very low to the ground and a lot of her work had a really kind of unique perspective and i think with these screens um, it's just going to open up some new creative uh uh opportunities for photographers to to experiment whereas you may not want to lie on the ground and shoot you should if it's worth it picture wise yeah. but most photographers are not going to do that but with these screens i, I think we're going to i i hope that we're going to see more of them uh on a, a variety of different cameras both You know, at the low level and and at the high level.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, a quick nod to our sponsor once again, Audible. We're brought to you by them. We're brought to you and sponsored by Audible.com. They're the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. They've got over 50,000 titles to choose from, and they can be downloaded and played back from anywhere. And I know that, uh, Alex... What's your what? What are you listening to right now? Or what? You, I'm sorry. What are you reading right now? <laughs> yes, yes. What am I? Uh, that is the question. What am I reading here? So
0: the one that I have been I've just been finishing, and I'm actually kind of hooked on is uh, I, I, I've been uh, listening to an Omnivore's Dilemma uh, from Michael Pollan, and which I, we had talked about before, which mm-hmm. is. Will scare you from ever going to Safeway again. But anyway, mm. but we won't get. We won't get that. And then I've been also moving on to in defense of food. I don't know why I've got really into this uh, that area. But the one that my, my mom actually um, got me into is called the glass the glass castle. Mm. And uh, this is a memoir. I didn't have it listed up here. I just started reading, it, r- mm-hmm. listening to it, and my I, I was going through some of the experts. And, and basically, uh, hold on, there. the
1: glass castle. Fiction, -fiction?
0: non-fiction? Non-fiction. I don't really read... I don't... So, I think we've had this conversation before, but for me, uh, you know, fiction is for movies. Yeah. Um, I don't want to... I don't read any... I don't read any fiction because if it comes into a movie, I don't want to know what was missing. Like, Harry Potter, evidently, this newest Harry Potter, evidently Mm -hmm. did not end with a big battle that was supposed to be there, Mm -hmm. and everybody that I know that read the book is very upset that the battle wasn't there. Mm -hmm. It was just fine for me. (laughs) (laughs) So there... (laughs) You know, I watched it, and I I just thought, well, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't it didn't occur for me. So, um, it's it's by Jeanette Walls, and it is a it's a it's a incredible memoir. She grew up in a, uh, um, uh, you know, I I don't know how to explain it other than read read this, but but the um, she really came from um, you know, where wasn't sure where her food, shelter, clothing, um. You know, oftentimes was picked out of the dumpster. Like, really, I mean, that's this is from the summary, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 so and now she, you know, she's a, a well-known speaker. She shows up on MSNBC. She's, you know, she's very, very well-spoken. And so she wrote a memoir of what you know the process of going, you know, of her childhood, sure. and and the stories are almost too amazing to, you know, I mean, and and sometimes horrific mm-hmm. <laughs> to to exp- explain. But it, I think it's very. I found it to be very inspiring um from the descriptions, that, some of the pieces that I've. Listen to so far,
1: yeah.
0: um, I found it to be very inspiring, you know, and and, uh, and and she's very matter of fact, you know. There's no whining, mm. so I think that's part of why I like to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's not no there's nonsense. no there's no woe was me. It's just yeah. describing it, you know. Like we, this is what happened. You know, yeah. you had to put your socks on your hands before you touch the stove if the electricity had been paid, or you'll get right, right. You know, shocked. <laughs> but <sighs> but it wasn't. But it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of. There's not a lot of big discussion about know how bad it was it was just like this is what my life looked like when i was a kid and yeah. it was and and um and i think that uh, that's what really sets it apart and makes it a great book and as i said i just started listening to it and i just think that it's it's an incredible book when, I mean,
1: it, when somebody as busy as you alex when do you find the time to listen to these podcasts and 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 audible books and all that other kind of stuff i mostly listen to my Listen
0: to books um, two times. When I, actually, when I'm walking back and forth from here to my house, so Leo's office in my house, mm-hmm. is a like number of time. It's right? 15 minutes at a time. Yep. Uh, I, I listen to it a lot. And then when I'm cleaning. Oh. So when I clean, the two things I listen to. Cleaning the to, house or cleaning yourself?
1: <laughs> the the when, I, when i'm grooming i when listen I'm to grooming, podcasts which oftentimes
0: takes at least an hour a day so this is the proper time to listen. and of course I, I cannot have anything else going on with my hands because grooming is a two a two-hand process you must hold
3: and crimp hey,
1: where's that, that rattle button yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway so the uh
0: uh, no, no, when I'm cleaning, when I'm cleaning my house I, I like to listen to, or I'm cooking So I like I make, when I make salads um, I, I, You know, I'm on a diet, I have these two okay. salads a day mm-hmm. And I make six or eight of them at a time Which takes, okay. well it's a lot easier than doing it. Every, I don't eat them because I, oh, I don't have time So I just sit down you on Sunday and I get make it all them all done, and, then, yeah. and, uh, and they're Very all cool. and, and so anyway, so that's when I listen to my Audible And, and so it's uh, it's really, really good Call the Glass Castle, of course you can get anything you want Very cool. If you don't like that Absolutely. one, make sure
1: to go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip Thank you for saying that because yep. I was going to say audible. dot com, but it's audiblepodcast.com slash twip. Slash twip. And uh, also in the news, a photographer is suing Apple over an iPhone app again. <sighs> did you see this? Yeah,
4: yeah, I what,
2: did.
0: what do you think about this? Well, um, I understand. I understand the reason for the suing. the The, 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 the company who used this photographer's uh, image. <laughs> so this is Lewis, and I can't. Is it? uh Saihoas <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. i
0: can't i can't pronounce it um anyway he had a he has a great image a, a an iconic image that he shot, and someone used it in their iphone app and they he should I, I don't have any problem with him suing them for the use of the phone uh for the use of the photo but I think that well, he's not I, I just don't think he's going to win if if apple settles with him it's just because it's too much trouble and and he's willing to um you know, go down on what he's asking for because there's no way he's going to win. The the fact that they, you know, they can't, I I don't, I don't know how Apple can be expected to check through every, that'd be like telling Amazon that they have to check through every book that is submitted to them for accuracy. Yeah. And that's not,
1: but doesn't Apple do that anyway? I mean, they have this vetting, sort of flow that any app that gets gets submit that has to go through and get approved. I think the problem is we don't have tech. I think when
0: we have technology Mm -hmm. that would allow you to um, uh, uh, you know uh, do an image check Mm -hmm. against the copyright database Mm. we could we, we could expect them to do that but outside of that how would they know?
1: Yeah it's like mule and haystack yeah yeah i mean it just otherwise they they disapprove anything that comes in because they can't
0: unless it's all signed for and everything else and and i think that that's not gonna you know that's not gonna happen so how how does he
2: find that in use anyways it's like so tiny (laughs) i'm guessing you see it mostly on your iphone when you're purchasing the app right 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 and from the picture i'm seeing here on the screenshot it's like i don't even know it's super super small yeah you know,
0: I think he he will need to prove that it was actually that photo. Right. But I think that that can be proven because the a little company, and I think the reason he's of course suing Apple is because the little company does not have any money. Yeah, yeah. you know, so there's no, pockets yeah, there's no, to- yeah, absolutely, there's no blood sense. there.
3: Yeah, but it it does it does make a case for registering your copyright. And um, you know, the fact is, um, every time you take a picture, you own the copyright. But in a court of law, unless that unless you've registered that image. Um, you're not going to get any kind of punitive damages i.e. money if he's registered this image um it it's 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 sort of a slam dunk that if you're infringed upon that you know you're going to win the case it's just a question of kind of what you're going to end up with um, certainly you know suing for 2 million dollars for that tiny little picture i mean it it just seems rather excessive but i suspect if he's registered the copyright um, he probably will get something for being infringed on, and yeah. and and he should. Well, and, and I said I, I don't
0: have any. I just want to make sure it's clear. I think that he should get money from the company that infringed on him. Mm-hmm. I'm just not clear that he should get money from Apple. Right. You know, I, so, yeah,
2: I agree with that too. And he yeah. did. It says here in the article that he did uh, register it in 2005. So, and I think he sued for this in the past.
0: And so. I, guess, I guess my my concern is is that he. Uh, one of my concerns is, is that that has an incredible chilling effect. If it actually, if he actually wins, the chilling effect on on iPhone apps getting yeah. through the he Apple Store right? does far more damage than than the damage done to him for a little photo put on a little app. Yeah. So I think that I think that hopefully the courts will weigh the damage because if Apple suddenly has to go back and, and check every or has to check every single image that goes through every application that goes into the Apple Store, it
1: doesn't scale.
0: Developers like us will never get our n- will never get anything in right. you know, because it's just and. And 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 when the technology where you can automatically check it against something like we can with text or we can with other things, mm-hmm. when that occurs, I don't have any problem with that. But right now, the technology is insufficient to properly check for that. Sure.
1: Now, Steve, have you uh, have you ever had one of your images lifted or ganked or stolen or ripped off? Oh, ganked. Ganked.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to let me just look that one up. Um, actually, I put those uh, other words
1: around there for context, so you didn't have to look it up. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm I'm not one that that really worries about it, although. You know, I've, I've been investigating a little bit more uh, about copyright. And it was interesting for me to find out that some of the big agencies like Getty and Corbis are using um, uh, uh, companies, I think there's one called Pick Scout or PhotoScout, uh, to sort of troll the Internet and look for images in their collection that they have copyright of and and then just, you know, start suing. And it's become, from my understanding, a bit of a underground revenue stream uh, yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've I've had uh, I've been asked to uh, sort of uh, kind of uh, if people can use my image, and one person wanted to paint a picture from it. I mean, you know, if I'm asked, I generally, if it's you know, with within the boundaries of common sense, and people aren't going to profit from it, um, I, I will I will certainly uh, cooperate with people. And I haven't actually gone out to sort of look to see if anything's been stolen. Um, I, 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 in some, you know, in some warped way, I, I hope people have been stealing.
4: <laughs> yeah, I that, say,
3: hey, that They look. like them. They Nicole, like them. They n- really like
1: them. <laughs> yeah, Nicole. I know you. You've got a gazillion images up on iStock right now. Uh, and I'm sure all those are safe. But have you ever had any instances where somebody tried to get one of your images and use it without your permission?
2: Not that I'm aware of. Uh, but I do for the users out there. There's a a really cool tool online you can use. It's called TinEye, tiney dot com, and you can actually search uh, to try and find your images. Like if you have one, maybe on Flickr that has a lot of views, you can search to see if it's been used anywhere. And I do that every once in a while, find some of my stuff in use. But and and some of the time I might not even know if it's been used illegally. If you know because I've sold it on iStock several times. Um, if I find it's been used illegally and it's an iStock photo, then I can contact iStock and they usually help take care of it on my behalf, um, but other photos, personal photos of mine, things that I put on Flickr or Facebook, I haven't found anything used illegally. Does, uh, and I
1: think does, part of that. I'm wondering, does, does a service like iStock help police that? Like, if they sell one of your images through the service, are they keeping track of that, or is the onus on the owner of the image, you in this case, to make sure that, hey, XYZ company bought my whatever image and they're using it according to the terms and conditions set forth?
2: Yeah, I, I really am not sure on the iStocks, you know, on the company side of things, I'm sure that they probably do come across things like that. But for the most part, it's just kind of like what iStock is based off of crowdsourcing is going to find a lot of those things used illegally, whether a person or other people finding photos. I've had people send me emails saying, Hey, I saw your photo used here. Was, was that okay? Were they allowed to use that? You know, and then I would look into it and usually it is an acceptable usage, but, um,
0: So, right. and okay. I think the part of the part of what works in the business model for iStock, which you know, I'm a big fan of, we we use a lot of iStock. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we, I probably, yeah. I spend a lot of money on iStock. So, uh, and we're well, not a we're little now looking, money, right?
1: Because what? it's not that expensive. Right? Well, yeah, but it comparatively turns if you were a lot of photos. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. were and
0: buying images 10 years ago, you'd be in the Well, I said like, we're we're going to start doing stuff for iStock mostly because I somebody's making a lot of money because I'm spending <laughs> it. You know, you know. So, so the uh, but, water. but the thing is is that with iStock, i I'm, I'm kind of in the zone of why would I ever even think about infringing on somebody's Uh, you know, like get something from the internet when I can pay $6 or $12 or whatever and have an image that I know is completely legit. Yeah. You know, there's no reason for me to go, uh, you know, to go out. And especially as that continues to expand, it it just doesn't make any sense. I think that's the...
2: I think a lot of it is people just aren't educated, and they don't realize that they're using something illegally. You know, sometimes people will be like, "Well, I put your photo credit on it, so that was all you needed, right?" It's like, yeah. "Well, no, I do this for a living, so I need to be compensated." Right. And I don't think people understand. And it, it, you know, people who are young maybe are just not familiar with, you know, licensing.
4: Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say. young. I would just say people that are ignorant of the law. <laughs> <laughs> because, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Younger people you know, doesn't, I, don't I, I doesn't necessarily a, mean. Another,
3: Another quick uh, sort of reason to copyright your image if you're in business as a photographer, and that is, um, you know, if people aren't paying your bill, um, in essence, uh, you know, they, you could sort of pull the copyright card saying that until that bill is, bill is paid and they're using the images, uh, there's a copyright infringement uh, happening. So yeah. that's just one other little ace in your hole, especially in a tough economy, to, to get paid.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I guess the moral of this story is... If you're not sure, make sure that the images that you're using are licensed and that the artist is compensated. Um, and you can be sure of that if you just go to iStock. <laughs> 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 buy your images legally. If you haven't paid for it, you can't use it. Period. Why are these, guys, why are these guys not our, our sponsor? That's what I want to
0: so, say. So. You know, you know, of course, we would never talk about them this way if they were our sponsor. <laughs> I know. Totally. We don't want anyone to think that we're uh, – Yes. Yeah, so anyway. And, and they're not, just in case you're wondering.
1: Well, let's jump into the uh, the current poll. Uh, we asked the TWIP audience, the TWIP army, are you interested in learning strobist-style flash photography? And 86% of the people that responded to the poll, 368 votes, said yes. And 14% said no, 60 votes. So total votes, 428. You guys. So, Nicole. Are you, uh, are you a strobist kind when of. you define for our listeners what strobist right. style means? Yeah, strobist. So if you go to strobist.com, there's a definition. <laughs> but what it is, strobist uh, is a kind of a movement um, on one, or it's a movement put, that sort of was pushed by a guy named David Hobby, uh, who started the site strobist.com. And essentially, what it is in a nutshell is doing really creative lighting stuff with small portable speed lights or strobes you know so basically his thing is you don't have to go out and have giant power packs and heads and all this crazy stuff to do some really cool lighting in fact you can do some things that you can't do with giant strobe setups with little small speed lights you know that are of course off camera and that's the key um, that's what he preaches on the side a lot, uh, you know, take the camera or take the strobe off the camera and shoot with it in different locations. And you can get a much more interesting image. So my question to you guys, Nicole specifically, are you, are you doing any of that kind of stuff? And cause you mentioned pocket wizards before. So I have mm-hmm. a, I have an inkling that you are, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love to experiment with the lighting, you know, off camera lighting with either strobes or with, a Uh, Pocket Wizards attached to Speedlights. Another, I do want to kind of chime in with another aspect of the Strobus community is that they're very uh, intent on sharing what they learn and how they actually, you know, create what they make. Like the group on Flickr actually... They basically they want you to say how you created the photo when you put something up there. I think they really want you to put the strobist information on there. Um, and that's something I'm very much into. I like to share what I do and to help other photographers. So yeah. yeah, I'm very much into that.
1: Definitely. Steve Simon, what are you what are you doing in the in this kind of strobist area or is all your stuff available light? What what's your deal?
3: Well, I'm I'm definitely uh, multi-flashing it uh, when need be, depending on the assignment. I mean, you know, this whole movement, I think, is being driven by technology. It's just become, you know, flash has always been kind of the, the black sheep of photography. It's always been complicated and hard to figure out. But with uh, current sort of TTL systems and wireless flash, it's become a lot easier, which isn't to say that it's, it's easy, but you can definitely learn to use it and once you see the results, when you take that camera, just even one flash off-camera, and see the huge improvement and the natural-looking effect you're going to get, it it just sort of gets you, and you just want to keep getting deeper into it. So I'm I'm kind of excited. I'm I think it's just going to continue to get easier. And as the low ISO or the high ISO uh, um, uh, technology continues to improve, uh, you know, five, ten years front down the line. I mean, I can't even imagine kind of what it's going to be like. You'll be putting down these sort of Star Trek eggs, you know, in front of your subjects, and somehow you're going to get this beautiful light happening yeah. just magically. It's, it's pretty exciting stuff
1: yeah it uh, the the sort of the evolution of flash photography and strobe photography reminds me a lot of how uh, you know back in the day when we were shooting film we had to shoot you know shoot the image and then go through all the rigmarole of processing and printing and then we see that we screwed it up and then you do it again uh, which For me, at least, Polaroid backs. Yeah, which yeah. Well, if you're shooting 35 millimeter, you don't have that option. Or if you're out in the field or something. But you know, the the net of that was, well, you know, I'm going to increase my odds of getting a decent shot, especially if I'm on a job. You know, that I can't not come back with an image, and I'm just not going to use flash. I'm going to shoot everything available light and just tell everybody hey, I'm an artist. I don't believe in <laughs> strobe. I'm going to shoot everything available light because, you know, that's what I do. But now you fast forward till today and, uh, you know, it, like you are saying, Steve, it's so much more easy and fluid, especially with that LCD on the back, to see when you've made a mistake or when you had a success and wire your brain so that you know what you did so that you can repeat it again, which is... You know, I think we're we're getting we're getting over that hump now, where people are like, "Hey, this this flash strobe thing isn't necessarily evil." I right. so um, let's. It's let's... been a long time since I used a flash. Really? Yeah. You don't use flash at all?
0: Ever? Wow!
1: Because this year someone told me that. that's my thing. I
0: just don't. <laughs> I mean, I just live with what I have. I, I and 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 it's I. Uh, I'm sure that has something to do with me, just not knowing enough about. You know, it's it's just like it's just one of those things that I just never get something that I like. Yeah, and so and 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 I am so sensitive to it. I mean, I can just see this little bit of yeah. You know, and 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 and, and admittedly, I don't do setups now. One of the things I do lots and lots of artificial lighting for video, Mm -hmm. so I'm very comfortable with the idea that we have to create this light and the look and everything else. Right. Um. And I'm uh. So that's not uncommon for me but i know that when i'm sh- and so and i don't shoot a lot of models and i don't shoot like when i shoot stuff it's mostly people yeah. but it's out on the street or it's in africa or it's in wherever and right. i'm sure that there are many places that i could improve the look mm-hmm. if i use the flash but uh-huh. usually in my style of shooting um that i'm usually just walking around taking photos i i mostly what happens for me is when i see a good time to shoot yeah then i shoot like crazy and because i don't have to shoot like steve does or like nicole like like or you're you're like you have, have to gotta get, get the shot. shot. I have to get the yeah. shot right now. Yeah, what you could just say me? yeah, whatever. Yeah. In- Certain yeah. days I look out and this is a great time to shoot, and then I go out and yeah. shoot like crazy um, because that's the time to do it. And so
3: yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me, Alex. I mean, in your work life, you're constantly dealing with artificial lights and you know creating the light for video. So when you're shooting, you know why just why not just leave that behind and just purely enjoy the 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 uh, experience of, of yeah. shooting the way you want to shoot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's all nothing. There's no right answer, right? Because it's whatever you're thinking
0: you, in your head that I was wrong. Now, of course, but <laughs> um,
1: but what I'm what I'm articulating. <laughs> <laughs> word is that there's no no seriously there's no right answer this is all art right so yeah. you know what you choose to shoot with how you choose to shoot you know it's all we're all at different places on our learning curves you know some people may have gotten to the point where they're masters of strobe and are, are learning all the ins and outs of that and some people may be like you know hey i'm not ready for that yet or i don't want to do it because i don't like the way it looks you know which is totally fine so in our poll for next week, we're asking the listeners, if you end up with a flawed photo, whether it be blur, excessive grain, etc., do you toss it or rescue it when you're, when you're, or rescue it with creative editing, meaning do something and tell people you meant to do that? Um, so the, uh, the possible co- answers are, if it's not tack sharp and noise free, in the dumper it goes. Or if I end up with a lemon, I make lemonade. So submit your votes now. And for the next week or so, <laughs> at twizzlog. There's, there, there's another question there, which is: When you shoot the photos, do you shoot them knowing you're going to edit them? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, you know, you could be doing that. You like Dave Hill. Dave Hill shoots pieces of photos and then composites them later, right? So right. you know.
0: Hey. Well, I take, when I take pictures of groups. I think we've talked about this before. I just put put it on. I just go, <laughs> and then I and then I like I get the smile out of this one and the eyes
1: out of that one. And you get. know what I just mix it all together. It the the auto align feature, auto align. Layers feature in Photoshop CS4 is a beautiful thing. And Elements, and Elements too. You know, that's right.
0: I think we talked about this last week. I'm not going to talk about. It. I was. I, I just. I uh, wasn't here last week, so it's new to Elements me. Elements is a great. Is I, I. I've been spending years deriding Elements. Elements has some serious power in it. It's got some. It, the last version has really yep. turned turned a corner. Where if you're not ready to spend $600 on an application, it's mm-hmm. Elements is actually a really good. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's
1: the Photoshop of the recession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the one time that Adobe's probably going. Oh, don't say that right now. You know? <laughs> well, well, like,
0: they've you they've know. been spending years. They've been spending years trying to get us to talk about Elements, and then when we do it, it's like they're like, "No, right no now, talk about, it. Talk hey, about
1: it. Talk about upgrades." Hey, it's upgrades. Adobe's fault. They made such a wonderful application. Elements is great, but you know the problem is if you're in this stuff for. You know, say you're trying to get a job in photography or something, you can't really have, <laughs> yeah, I them. am a master at Photoshop Elements on my resume, <laughs> yeah. you know? You could just yeah. leave the Elements piece off of there. But right, yeah, 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 it's got some serious power. Um, it's integrated with Photoshop.com, et etc. et cetera. So it's a, it's a really good application. All right. Um, on to the guest. So today's guest is a gentleman by the name of Jim Hyde. Do you know how, Jim did you, Hyde? how did you snag Jim Hyde? Jim Hyde is a friend of mine, dude. Um, Come on. Jim great. Hyde would say the same thing about this. How do you get to hang out with Alex Lindsay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah right. He was like, "Who is that? What, what, what show am I? What show am I going to be on?"
1: Exactly, Jim Hyde. If you haven't heard of him, he's the author of the Macintosh Eye Life, uh, and has been the author of successive versions of that book since I don't know, since I guess the second version of Eye Life or so. And this is kind of like the, the book that you need to have if you want to learn everything there is to know about all the iLife applications from iPhoto to iMovie to GarageBand, etc., etc. It's an amazing book and very detailed, very well laid out. And Jim goes into all that stuff about the book and how he got started in photography in this interview. I'm here with Mr. Jim Hyde really good friend of mine and an author of a book called the Macintosh iLife 09 and probably shameless plug and also he's probably uh the biggest Mac geek that I know and he knows more about the Mac and Mac software than probably anybody I don't know on the planet anybody well maybe not Steve Jobs or people like that but you know a lot about this stuff uh, so we just finished up a, a SmugMug user group meeting where you gave a fantabulous talk. <laughs> and now we're going to have a quick interview so we can go behind the scenes with Jim Hyde and find out what the real story
4: You sure is? you want to do that? Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh,
1: yeah. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Uh, so um, first off, how did you get started in all this stuff? You're, you're an author. You're a writer. You're a photographer. You're a self-proclaimed flicker. Er, 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 er.
4: <laughs> how did you get started in all this? Well, it started out as, a, I guess, as a confluence of a lifelong uh, love and addiction to photography, mm-hmm. um, with a with a with an inherent inner geekiness, as you as you said. Yep. Um, been taking photos since I was a kid. Uh, at the talk, I showed some photos of my dark room in my mom's basement and uh-huh. photos of a, a pinhole. Uh, camera self-portrait that I took when I was 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. So I always loved photography, um, and as it happened also, always loved music and made Super 8 movies when I was in high school, wow. things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, then personal computers came out in the late 70s, and I got very interested in them. Didn't really think that they were going to amount to anything in terms of where they are today. Yeah, who did? Digital media and, and all that wonderful stuff. No, it was just, they were just kind of a fun... I was programming. I was programming in mm-hmm. basic, and it was just kind of a fun mental exercise. From there, I got, through a weird series of circumstances, a job as a uh, technical editor for one of the very first computer magazines. I really want to know what those
1: circumstances were.
4: (laughs) Okay, in a nutshell. (laughs) No, there's
1: got to be something there.
4: (laughs) It's actually not that weird. Kilobud and a bunch of other computer magazines were published by a rather eccentric computer magazine publisher by the name of Wayne Green, Mm -hmm. um, who is still with us. And he used to publish in his editorials every month we're looking for young people who want to get paid dirt and work hard and learn the publishing business. If you're interested, send us a resume. So I had read his magazines and always just kind of was intrigued by that, that little sales pitch of his. So I did indeed send a resume, and exactly nothing happened. There you go. But a year later, I got a call. We have an opening in our book department. Would you be interested in driving to Peterborough, New Hampshire, population 4,000, and interviewing you know, for this job? Mm-hmm. So I did, got the job, and indeed... Got paid dirt and worked too hard, but learned, uh, learned publishing yep. and learned at that time, too, that I really enjoyed writing. And as it happened, it was about personal computers. Yep. So those things all just kind of, you know, fueled one another. And then for years, I didn't really do much in the way of photography, aside from the usual taking shots on vacations and the family, you know, and the dog and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then digital cameras got really kind of good enough to become real Computers got powerful enough to be able to manage all this stuff and, and allow us to enhance it and share it. And the online world came out, and all of a sudden there were communities like SmugMug and like Flickr where you could get inspired by other people and share your stuff with other people. So all of those things just kind of came together into, into, uh, into this kind of vortex where I am now yep. um, of just kind of being this obsessed amateur photographer who was lucky enough to be able to write about this stuff. Yeah.
1: So you started uh, in the talk before you 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 discussed the Macintosh iLife when you first started the series, which is now in what what number series? This what? is the seventh edition. This is the seventh. So the the Macintosh iLife oh nine is the seventh edition. Um, how did you did you describe how you started that whole process and how the first book came about and how you know what the path was to get from that first book. Edition after edition after edition. Yeah, and what your Jedi mind trick was with the publisher <laughs> to get the.
4: <laughs> that was just kind of a case of, of you know it's kind of a case of being just you know a little bit lucky and maybe just a little tiny slightly bit good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but really more lucky than good. How as humble, as, How humble. <laughs> as as it always is in life. Yeah. It's better to be lucky than good. Yeah. Um, when the when I life program or when I program mm-hmm. number four came out, I think it was uh, I think it was. I, it was iDVD, I iDVD, believe.
1: which is when we met, because I was exactly. on that project.
4: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, at the time, iTunes, iPhoto, iMovie, and iDVD. Mm-hmm. And the programs didn't really talk to each other the way they do now. Yeah. If you wanted to use a soundtrack from iTunes and something you were creating, you had to dig around and find the file in your iTunes library. And yep. if you wanted to use a photo in a movie, you had to export it as a JPEG and bring it in. And you had to kind of know about that stuff. Yep. So I thought, well, you know a book that put those four programs together and kind of showed people that, you know, you really can make these things work together and more important, make your media work together. Cause that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. Photos are better when they're accompanied by, you know, music and it's, yeah. it's a th- they're more impactful. Um, I thought I'd put them together in a book and that book, which was called the Macintosh digital hub, cause that's what Apple and Steve jobs were calling kind of the digital hub strategy at the time mm-hmm. came out and, as I understand it, the publisher of Macworld, a guy named Colin Crawford at the time, showed the book to Steve Jobs at the kind of this reception mm-hmm. that Apple held for people at the, uh, when they opened the Soho store in New York, yep. the big Apple retail store in New yep. York. And as I understand it from, 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 from Colin, uh, Steve looked through the book and said, "Wow, this is great. He put all the programs together." Yep. Well little did I know that at the time Apple was working on Putting all the programs truly together mm-hmm. in the form of iLife, mm-hmm. where the programs really would be able to talk to each other. I knew that at the time. Yeah, well, so I didn't even... know you at the time. And if you had known me at the time, you wouldn't have been able to tell me otherwise you would have killed me. Word. Exactly. Nothing. So you were no good to me then, Fred. I'm sorry. No.
1: <laughs> so. Even less than I am now.
4: <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> so, so. Um, so Apple was working on this, mm-hmm. working on putting the four programs together under this umbrella, where they would be able to talk to each other in easy ways, and you wouldn't have to go through import export drills to get one thing into another. Yep. A few months after that, I got a call from you know Bunker Four Hundred Three, yeah. where uh, mm-hmm. someone said, "You know, come on down. Uh, you know, we've got some stuff to show you." Um, Bring some DNA. Bring bring, bring a <laughs> vial of blood because we're going to ask you to sign some paperwork. <laughs> and, uh, and so I did, and the, the, the curtain was parted, and yeah. I got my first look at iLife. Yep. And, um, and the rest is basically history. Yeah. Um, each year or so, every new release, which has been more or less annual now since then, which was 03, um, Apple has come out with a new release of iLife, and I've come out with a new edition of the book. Well,
1: talk a little bit about the book itself. So we know where you came from and where the series came from. What's in the book and what makes the book so special?
4: Um, Well, the book is basically a manual Mm -hmm. for each of the now five iLife programs, Mm -hmm. iPhoto, iMovie, iDVD, GarageBand, and iWeb. Mm -hmm. And um, it is intended for a beginning to kind of intermediate to advanced level user really i think there's something in it for any level of iLife user mm-hmm. but what really sets it apart is the kind of the design and the structure of the book um, each two-page spread when you open the book to a two-page spread mm-hmm. each two-page spread is its own kind of self-contained art directed tutorial on a certain topic mm-hmm. and my philosophy for that is that I don't, and I don't think most people don't, buy computer books to read them from cover to cover. Mm -hmm. They don't start at page one and then end up at page 400 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You use the index, you use the table of contents to find the information that you're looking for at a given time. So what I wanted to do was create a book where each two-page spread answered a question Mm -hmm. or taught you a certain thing or maybe inspired you to try a certain project or shared some tips. So um, on one level, it makes the book kind of a lot harder to do, because each two-page spread is its own little art-directed... There is an art director who right. designs every single two-page spread of the book. It doesn't have a template where they just kind of pour text into sure. it, and then it's done. Yeah. Um, and also, it has to fit, which means you have to edit text or mm-hmm. add text to make the thing actually fit into two yeah. pages. Mm-hmm. But I think the payoff to that is, is to use an Apple term, a better user experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is. Um, it's a very approachable book. It's not, you know, oh, boy, here's this chapter on editing. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a better experience for users. And I think it's because it's a, they're very beautiful. I think it's just kind of more, it's more Mac-like. You know, it's more consistent with the fact that, you know, these are really kind of aesthetically very cool-looking programs and very mm-hmm. slick-looking programs. And it's just, you know, I wanted to do something that was a little prettier than just basically your ordinary computer book.
1: So... Um, I would assume I don't know if if, if uh, numbering holds true that this will change to a ten next year, right? Or, if there right? is an
4: iLife ten, <laughs> you can bet that there will be a book called the Macintosh iLife ten.
1: Yeah. So are you going or iLife twenty ten or how are you going to? So what? So you're going to? I guess the overall thing is you're planning on continuing the series in perpetuity, and are you planning on ever forking it off? And are we going to see maybe an iWork book out of you <laughs> at some point?
4: probably not an iWork book i love iWork i think pages it's just a dreamy word processor yeah um but um i've never used the i never heard the word dreamy used in conjunction with word processing because it's (laughs) usually torture because it's usually which one of the 20 toolbars contains the tool that i want to use yeah yeah (laughs) that's not the case in pages it's just got this very elegant streamlined design anyway um there probably won't be an iWork book. Um, there will definitely be. I will revise this book as long as my publisher, the folks at Peach Pit Press, want to continue to publish it. Yeah. Because, for one thing, it's very successful. It's a top-selling mm-hmm. iLife book. Um, for another thing, though, for me, um, this represents all the stuff that I'm interested in. Sure. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm almost a little bit like, not quite because I do have a mortgage to pay, but I'm almost a little bit like what Babe about it, which means I actually get to take go out and take photos as an excuse yep. to have photos to show in the book so and write it all off it's not a bad gig and you write it all off don't you <laughs> i write off an appropriate percentage <laughs> pursuant to internal revenue service regulations yeah because they're watching this now <laughs>
1: That's awesome, Jim. Thanks so much for uh, driving all the way. Did you? You didn't drive from Mendocino. You drove from uh, San Francisco from, from the big city from San Francisco yeah. today, coming down to beautiful Mountain View <laughs> to speak with the Smug Muggers and me and the, this weekend photography audience about your book and all this good stuff. So, where can people find out more about the book and you and all that?
4: They can find out more about both, and they can order it from uh, from the book's companion website, which is MacILife dot com. Excellent. Just one URL. One URL gets you. It's the the Jim Hyde portal. I like that. Thanks a lot, Jim. (laughs) Thank you, Frederick. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Thank
1: you. All right. That was Jim Hyde, um, author of the Macintosh iLife. Great guy, as you heard. If you want to learn more about Jim, just go to... Macilife.com, and you can learn all about his book and what he's up to. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find Jim on Twitter because he. Uh, what, I think his catchphrase for all things social media is <laughs> social not working. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's not a big fan of social networking, so uh, catch, catch him on his website. It sounds like yeah, I, I would. I would follow that guy. I would follow that. Guy. I, you know, I would too. But he's uh, he's not allowing people to follow him. So oh well, we'll 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 jide him into it eventually. All right, on to the listener questions, and this first question is assigned to you, Steve. You wanna you wanna go ahead and read that and take it away? Sure. It's
3: uh, Lisa Soloninko and it's kind of a long question. I'll read the first part. I have the opportunity to display and sell my images at a local artisan shop. There are a number of different artisans, artisans present, and three are photographers. I will be submitting some of my work for peer review. Um, but I would like to be a bit different in my presentation so I could stand out and we can offer customers a variety of artistic uh, interests. And she was talking about two different uh, display um, uh, things. One is gator foam. Uh, and another is a, a product called PhotoFloat, which mounts the image on acrylic. It's kind of expensive, but it, it looks kind of effective. I, I looked at both of, of, of these uh, options, and, and the one thing that I, I just want to mention to Lisa is, you know, obviously it's, it's the image that counts the most, and, and you want to, um, you know, not kind of overshadow the work with the display. It's kind of like that sort of old... Um, uh, thing that I heard, where you know, a photographer shows their portfolio and it's in this beautiful case, and all the people that look at it want to know, is uh, where'd you get the case and and how great the case looks. Um, you want to make sure that whatever display that you choose, that the image is the thing that kind of stands out. Um, that being said, this photo plot, um, and I guess we can link to it, um, looks really kind of interesting because it it's kind of like mounting canvas. Um, it's borderless. And uh, it, it looks like it would be uh, a very effective way to mount a photograph, but again, it really depends on the kinds of images that you're going to be showing. Um, you know, when I I did a, an exhibition of work I did on AIDS in Africa, and I didn't even have frames. We just had you know sheets of, of images, very modestly um, magnets uh, magnets to hold them up, and 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 that kind of display really fit um, what what was being shown. And I think ultimately. Um, you have to look at the images and and let that kind of the, you know lead you in the direction of how you're going to display things.
1: Now, Steve, where where do you fall on? <clears throat> excuse me, where do you fall on the idea of uh, using digital photo frames and that kind of thing to display your work, especially as a photo journalist? I mean, because I know there's cool things in there where you can intermix, like Alex talks about his all the time, where you can intermix photos and video, and it seems like you, you could do a photo story if you use that kind of uh, technology. Have you considered that?
3: No, absolutely. I think, I think it's great, you know, having a, a you know, and now that the, the, the digital frames and the, the monitors that you can use are, are very high quality, it allows you to, um, you know, go through a series of images, and if the people that are viewing the work choose to stay there and, and sit through it, they can, and if not, they can move on. I think it's, it's all great. I, I think, you know, you have to live in your time, you have to embrace the technology that's out there now, and make it work for you. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about all that stuff. Uh, absolutely. I think there's we're going to see more and more uh, unique and, and innovative ways to to show and display work both at museums and galleries and, and at home.
1: Excellent. All right, I'm going to throw the next question over to you, Nicole. It's about the publication of images. Uh, you want to go ahead and take that one away?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, The question is from Wayne Yu, and the question is, I would like to ask a question about publication. How do I submit my photos for possible publication by magazines? Which magazines are accepting, and what kind of photos are they looking for? Well, I'm going to be honest, and I have never actually submitted anything for a publication. Anything I have has been published through my photos that are on iStock photos. So they went to iStock, found the photos they wanted to use, purchase them, and put them in their magazine. Um, I think nowadays it's very difficult to get published, especially if you're the one asking the magazine to try and get into the publication. Most of the time, you know, this is just from kind of speculation because I don't really have any solid experience with this. But most of the time, my guess is that they're going to come and find you if they know you as a really well-renowned specific type of photographer, maybe food photographer or portrait photographer, that they really like your style. They're going to come to you. And uh, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the picks of the week here real quick because I know we've got some pretty interesting picks here. I want to make sure we get those out, Nicole. Since you're you're all warmed up on the on the mic, what's the mm-hmm. uh, what's your pick of the week?
2: Uh, my pick of the week is a website called Animoto.com. It's A N I M O T O, and it's a like a slideshow creating website where you can upload your photos or you can take them from like Facebook or uh, Flickr or a few other places where you can, you know, store your images and they basically create a really nice will real, really, really nice uh, presentation slideshow presentation of your photos. You can add music to it. They have music on the site for you to use, or you can, you know, if you have legally licensed music, um, then you can actually add that and, uh, it's great. It's great for fun. You know, I, I went ahead and just did one last night. It took me like 10 minutes and made a quick 30 second video with a little bit of text and some uh, music added. I can really see it being helpful for like wedding photographers. That's like the one thing I really see it being useful for because in like 20 minutes, upload your photos and bam, you have this really nice presentation to give or sell, which you can actually license them commercially and actually resell them uh, with no logos, no Animoto logos or anything. So I highly recommend giving it a try.
1: Yeah, and they, they have kind of uh, a couple of different tiers. They have a free service where you can go to Animoto.com and just upload some images or even point them at your Flickr account or something, and it'll create a video from it. But what you're referring to, Nicole, is they have a pay service as well mm-hmm. where you can have them generate a high-definition, high-resolution version that you can throw on a DVD mm-hmm. or embed in your website or otherwise encode however you want right? yeah. for for the pros, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting service. And uh, Mr. Steve Simon, what's your pick of the week?
3: Okay, I know I said uh, at the uh, start of the show that I haven't been on since the Canon AE One was introduced, and my pick of the week reflects that because I've been recently doing. You're picking uh, an, uh, an AE One. <laughs> well, not exactly. I would like exactly. to pick a Polaroid exactly. SX seventy. <laughs> Not exactly. But my pick of the week is the old Time Life Library of Photography that, that came out in nineteen seventy two. You kids are probably way too young to remember this. But in doing some research uh, lately for this course that I'm going to be giving, um I've I've gone back to the Time Life Library of Photography and remarkably um, a lot of the information in there um, is still completely applicable to today. Obviously, you know, talk about equipment and so on, and it was, you know, just as digital was just
2: being uh,
3: dreamt uh, about. But uh, there's some just great stuff in there. It was written by some amazing writers. The information is great, especially when you, you deal with sort of the history of photography or the great themes and talking about photography in terms of the actual making of photographs and not the equipment. So, and you can find it on eBay, like really cheap, and you can get these books for like two bucks a piece. Wow. Um, I, I would uh, you know go to your used library and you'll, you'll find them, and there's just really a, a wealth of information on sort of the non-technical side of photography that that completely um, applies today.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Light uh, apparently has not changed the <laughs> last several several apparently. years or so, according so, to Einstein, according to Einstein, it's not yeah. changed. Alex. So um so I
0: last week I talked about the iPhone mm-hmm. uh stitching application Auto Stitch, which oh, yeah. I just love. I love that. I, I love, love it. Auto Stitch. Yeah. And and it was great. I was uh uh traveling with my daughter down the down the coast and you just see her just going with her iPhone going click 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 mm-hmm. building these. And I said, you know, I don't know of anything other than Photoshop that does does that easily and inexpensively on the Mac. Yeah. And um and the uh, speaking some, of iPhones, yours is ringing. my mind started ringing. Sorry, <laughs> I, got, I got a little distracted there. Um, of course, when I'm talking, it rings. So um, uh, there is one. So so actually, it was sent in by our listeners. Oh. Uh, actually, many listeners uh, who sent who sent in. Take a look at Double Take. And so there's a program called Double Take. It is a Mac only application that is um, you know very Cocoa feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it it's really written with the application interface uh, set up and uh anyway so uh, double take is, um, just a, it looks like a great application. I'm just testing it. I haven't bought it yet. I think mm-hmm. it's like $30 or $40 or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, it's not iPhone 99 cents. What but does it do? I, it, well, what you <laughs> do is you simply drag a panel. You grab, drag a couple photos. Yeah. It does exactly what auto stitch does, except it does it on the Mac. Yep. So if you're not shooting with your iPhone oh. and you're just shooting with your, so yeah, oh. there you go. All so, right. so what you do is if you take a, um, if I take a, if I, I can just take a series of photos and I'm not taking them on a tripod, I'm not. Doing a lot of work on them, and it does a remarkably, you know, a remarkably good job from my tests. About a Photoshop good job of blending these all, figuring really? out how all these images are going to blend. Now, is it together only quickly. panels, or can it do like Photoshop can do grids? You know, I haven't tested that yet. Yeah, I so so I haven't grids. tested that yet. And, but in
1: panels, was a panel stitch, right? The one on the it'll iPhone. do grids. They can do grids as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, so I
0: haven't tried this one, um, but I haven't tried to build a grid with this yet. So I'm not 100 percent sure. But it also because it's an Apple app and it's integrated. If you have iPhoto and Aperture, when you want to grab photos, you simply select iPhoto or Aperture in the interface in Double Take, so you can select the images that you want to use oh, well, so nice. it's totally inter, inter, integrated with the Apple apps um, uh, you know because you know it's subscribing to their uh, to their library Very so you cool. can you can grab stuff and you can send it back you can render it back out to those actually maybe you're rendering out of, out to them anyway but the point is I've been just dragging from one to the other mm-hmm. you know and, and it just pops them in stitches them there's not a lot of work for you to do now I did I did defeat it with um, my fisheye uh, so it had it was well, I haven't on, quite yeah. well, it sets That's the crazy. Shine on it. And, yeah. and, and so, but with every other uh, uh, with with every other one that I've used so far, it's worked just fine, just Very dandy. Cool. And there are little tricks to it. The one thing is thinking about your one thing that we used to do when we used to shoot panos when we didn't have a tripod mm-hmm. and, we were, and back when the software was really uh, inflexible mm-hmm. uh, is um, we would we would in the little quarter inch piece at the bottom of you know the quarter inch input on the in the bottom of the camera. Sure, we would basically create a plumb bob, so we would just hang something. You know, we would just take a string, yeah. and literally hang it, like screw it into there, and hang it, and then just make a mark on the on the ground with a rock. You know, and yeah. then, and then when we turn the camera, it would keep the camera. Now it's not totally accurate because you want better than nothing. It's way be, it, yeah. you stay conscious to turning the camera yeah. rather than turning um, your body because yeah. when you turn you your body, you want to turn the camera train. around the nodal point, which is the center of the lens. It's, right? it, it, and, and some lenses will have little gold a little gold line little you probably indicator. wondered what that yeah. was it's like that's a little the, circle
1: with a line through it and that yeah, that's that, the nodal point that is the nodal well, and point
0: sometimes you'll just see just in a, a, a lot of still camera like Nikons you'll see like a little gold line that's usually the nodal point yeah
1: anyway that's it right. how cool. about yourself my pick is kind of selfish um it's about this week in photography. So we are doing an experiment in moving this or somewhat moving this week in photography from the digital land into the real world using meetup.com. And the first, if you're listening here in the Bay Area, the first event, uh, the first meetup for this week in photography is at Smug Mug. Smug Mugs HQ headquarters in Mountain View. Just go to uh, go to meetup.com and just search for TWIP or This Week in Photography and you'll find it. Um, but going forward, we're gonna be doing lots these things so lots of little photo walks and events and you know fun things to get twippers out of their houses with their computers and taking their lens caps off and grabbing images so uh yeah head over there and if you can't make it out to the smug mug thing tonight definitely join the meetup group just search for twip on uh on meetup.com m-e-e-t-u-p.com and uh just join the meetup group that way we can let you know when things are going to happen and all that good stuff And that's mine. So that's it. That's it for uh, this episode of This Week in Photography. Quickly, Steve Simon, where can people find you?
3: Uh, They can find me at uh, stevesimonphoto.com. And if you click on lectures, you'll see that I've got a a few workshops that are coming up. Uh, One in in the Smoky Mountains, where I've never been, in October, which sounds pretty exciting. Um, And also at Photo Plus Expo, New York City. Are, Are you guys coming out for that?
1: Yes, I will be there.
3: Excellent, excellent. So I'm going to be doing a, a workshop called 10 Steps to Becoming a Great Photographer. I've already got one of the steps, and I'm going to have the other nine by October 24th. Excellent. Really good <laughs> workshop.
1: I thought you were going to say, assemble 10 $100 bills. <laughs> cool. Nicole, where can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Nicole N-I-C-O-L-E-S-Y. And uh, you can also find me blogging on photofocus.com.
1: Excellent. And Alex Lindsay, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitters. On the Twitters at Alex Lindsay. All one word ends All one with an A. Word. All A-Y. one word. Excellent. And if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me, Frederick Van Johnson, on Twitter at twitter.com slash forward slash Frederick Van or my blog, Frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.